Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music on the air and in your ear. And once again, I am Martin. And I have with me the king of the casters. He is Mr. Brett Podcast. Brett, why don't you introduce today's lovely guest? That's right. Well, we we are, I mean, being Canadian ourselves, we always love having having Canadian acts on the show. And so today we have Melt on the show. And we have from Melt, we have James and Chris. How are you two guys doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Nice weather where we are right now. So having a good day. Well, that's good. We're not having nice weather. So. Where are you guys at? <laughs> yeah, we're in Calgary. Okay. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Must be a little bit uh, cold there. It's actually quite cold here too. It's, it's, it's cold we got a bit of a cold snap. Well, I mean, cold for us, not cold for Calgary. It's probably. <laughs> pretty there's a little. You guys there's a minus one and two. No, we're two millimeters of snow on the ground right now, though, which is rare. But I mean, I guess it happens. But late February, it's I'm sort of surprised. They're laughing at us, Chris. It's nothing to them. <laughs> no, exactly. We're minus twenty-seven. I don't even want to tell wow. you what the wind chill. Oh my! And, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it's totally sounds... cold, which is why we're glad to have an excuse to be inside and talk to you, gentlemen. And uh, you know, I mean, it's. <laughs> I'm just looking, Chris. Here, I'm just looking at your background. I'm blown away by every all the instruments here. I'm seeing behind you. That's for how sure. Cool. Is, yeah. How cool the setup is. Uh, you know, the big Rolling Stones. Symbol uh-huh. and uh, everything. Oh, yeah. What all? What all you got there? I mean, I can show you. I mean, yeah. Uh, one sec. We rotate this. It's kind of a mess. I wasn't really prepared, but yeah, just <laughs> some of our guitar, like our guitars, up on the wall here. Drums, drum kit. Uh, our pedal boards are all here. Like this is we we rehearse and stuff in this room. Um, so pretty much everything, everything collaborative usually happens down in this room. So it's kind of just been slowly been acquired and collected over the last like I don't know fifteen years now. So it really adds up. It feels like a music room. Does that does that artistically does that kind of fuel you to be in a room with just with everything like this? It just makes you feel you know artistically. Does it bring something out of you? I think so. Yeah, and I kind of think having so many options around so quickly is helps when you have an like if you're working on something. It helps assist move fast and kind of flow as much as you can, which is kind of nice. Yeah, a pretty good workflow. Yeah, you know, yeah, totally. it's, it's interesting because you guys have such a unique sound. And, you know, and I know you come from kind of, you know, covering, you know, Beatles and Clapton and Queen and Stones and, and bands like that. And how you yeah. evolve from that sound to where you right. are now. I'm really curious about kind of how that transformation took place. I mean, I think probably, yeah. probably our our taste in music switching from like, obviously still loving the classic rock stuff like you just listed there, like we used to cover. Like I that's still. That's what our parents like the, first introduced us to. I would say, right? Like that's how yeah. we first got introduced to music is like that era by our parents, and then from there, obviously evolved throughout the modern. Um, yeah, at some point started realizing new music wasn't all trash because I used to have, when I was really young thought oh, new music sucks. Like, it has to be the good old stuff. I always had that mentality, lay wrong generation thing. Um, but then, yeah, then if you start listening to stuff, you start realizing, oh, crap, there's so much good stuff. And uh, I think for me, one of the turning points for me, weirdly, was going to this music festival in Washington back in 2013. It's called Sasquatch Music Festival. It's sadly no longer a thing, but it was the greatest festival ever and the best location ever. It was just the best. And um, 
it was it's all they, they do have some kind of legacy artists sometimes like one time we did see Robert Plant there you know for example but mostly it's kind of like the contemporary indie scene and like psych rock bands and whatever lots of things are there so going to that I think really changed my perspective on like how it's like how you could be an artist like currently and what it's like currently in the world like of live music because it was in high school, grade 12 of high school so was still underage for the most part and couldn't go to most shows for the most part of that time still. So for me, that was like a mind opening, like, holy shit kind of thing. And a, and a lot and of, I, I think that informed it musically and career potentially kind of thinking. Yeah. And I think because of that, like part of that is that we, when we turn on the radio um, at home around it, that area, you get a lot of like the, you know, the pop hits, the top 30, the top 50. Mm. I don't think any of that, those stuff really like interested us. And so that's kind of what, like, I think we, we love the classic stuff. And then hearing that all the time, we're kind of like, ah, yeah, kind of what gave us the, the feeling that new music wasn't as good and stuff. And it's not until you dig a little bit deeper in, into the indie and alternative scene that we realized, oh, there's a lot of stuff that is really awesome. You just have to dig a bit deeper. And I think hearing those sounds and yeah, it opened up a total new door for us to pursue. It just went from there. So obviously you guys have another Quiet Sunday coming out March 3rd, which is a you know wonderful mix of songs. I mean, there's some some really great stuff. Blossoms is awesome. And uh and so yes. it's just thank you. You know, like how did that come about? Blah Blossoms or or just the whole album in this case. Right. Whole... I guess the thing with our music is it's always uh it's there's a story behind each song I'd say like every time there's usually, or, you know, for the most part, the actual like stems of ideas are, are all separate ideas. But uh, yeah, so essentially this EP is kind of a little preview of a full length album actually, really. So it's kind of just like, it's the singles up to date with a new single included and it's kind of an EP, but it's basically all leading up to a full length record, which would be like 14 tracks. Um, so that as a whole Which body were all kind there, of written and created around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. That was, bundle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the, sorry, what was the question about it? Well, I was just, basically, I wanted to know, like, at what point did you decide to, to make these songs? Like, are you always recording in this case? Or, I mean, given that you have such a nice room, uh, you, you look like you can, <laughs> but like, what, or did you yeah, make I a mean, decision? Basically, well, we kind of we kind of no. were we had just, we done swim slowly and and that was our our big project before this project and then a few months later you know we were scheduled to go on tour to South by and Freeport in 2020 March and that all shut down, um, and that's when we kind of got the um the creative juices flowing again. We're like, okay, well, no shows coming up. We don't know for how long. And I would say Chris and James and the guys and we're all always kind of working on stuff. Chris in that basement and everyone's kind of doing their own demos at home, like all the time as creative sparks come. But I would say it was around like summertime when we realized, okay, we've got to shift from shows to maybe working on new stuff. We got a lot in the, in the demo archive. So we may as well, you know, start taking a look at that stuff. We did a little, um, EP in the summer, uh, remix EP, which was a, kind of a cool way to interact with fans and do something while we couldn't, while everyone was in isolation, while we couldn't work together. And then I would say like mid-summer, late summer, we decided, okay, like we have a lot of stuff going on. How can we 
make this next project work right now while we're all isolated and, and you know, COVID's going on. So we rented out a, a cabin for a month in September. It was five hours away. It's up in like uh, pretty, pretty, I would say pretty isolated uh, area of BC. And we just worked on all these songs, all these projects, all these demos. And we came up with like 20 something tracks and then cut it down to the 14 track album started releasing that last year and that's kind of this how this next batch of songs was created um yeah and that was that was kind of that's what kind of made the the new sound as well like because we're so isolated we start to go into like synth sounds and see this in the swim slowly it's a little more room based like a guitar bass maybe one synth maybe a few layers this one's got a ton of layers because a lot of this was written individually and then brought in to the cabin and sorted kind of like arranged there and, and fine-tuned there but the guys were putting a lot of layers into the demos so we just kind of went uh, all out with the layers and then decided we'd figure out how to play it live later so this that's what kind of evolved this sound i guess it's a little bit bigger a little more layered, a little more going on well as you're going down from 20 songs or so to 14 are you eliminating songs because of quality or flow or style or what is kind of how is the process of figuring out these are the songs that are going to get on the LP. Um, I guess, uh, I guess the end of the day, we just picked what we thought was the strongest songs or the most currently complete. Like maybe sometimes I think there was ones we dropped that had potential still, but we just didn't have them at the same level as other ones at that time. So at some point we just had to go with our gut and collectively and, and just kind of narrow it down to what we figured is, is a good body of work, I guess. I guess that's yeah. I think it was a combination. Yeah, it was a combination. Like like Chris said, quality um for sure was a big one. We picked our favorites. We thought the ones that had the most potential. Secondly, like you said, somewhere there's further along than others, so we went with those. And then also um like flow as well. Some stuff was a little bit outside of the sound of the fourteen that we picked. And so we're like, well, this just might fit on mm. something else. Uh, so we'll save it for something else. And then some stuff like we had some stuff that was really really cool. We just couldn't quite get that last part needed. Like maybe we needed the chorus or maybe we needed a bridge or something. We just completed. And so we're just like, okay, let's, we have a huge batch. Like let's not overwhelm ourselves. Let's just focus on these 14, which are pretty well realized and work well together. And yeah, maybe revisit the other. Certainly sounds very collaborative, your, your process of songwriting. Is it, can you kind of go into the collaborative nature of, of what you do? So, so just a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh... For this record, for the most part, some of these songs started out as varying levels of uh, demo fleshed out or very not fleshed out. Um, and yeah, I mean, it depends on the song again. They're all, they all have their own story, I think. But uh, for this for this batch, we basically all, we, we had a bunch of demos and we got together in this cabin, in a remote cabin up in kind of mid BC, like five hours north of Vancouver kind of thing in the middle of nowhere. And uh, just basically shared our shared the demos we'd had over the like last year and a half or two years, basically of, of things, whether they were good or bad, whether we like, uh, for me, I had so many demos that I don't know. I just save an Ableton project, even if I worked on it for five minutes and it's just something in there, I just save it. So like we went through every single file and just checked out what they were all were. And then we all listened to each other's things and kind of, wrote short lists of what we thought was worth looking at a bit more maybe or um things like that and then we basically kind of consider and listen to what we have in those pieces and then 
try i think usually we try playing it as a group like actually just try playing the thing and see how it feels and from there sometimes add changes like sometimes they're just a verse idea and then we have to figure out a, a chorus together or yeah other people bring in things that changes it up a bit so then it's inspiring in a new direction and it varies song to song i guess but like yeah, and our and our like we've we've always kind of done things quite collaboratively. Like since the beginning of Mount, like uh, me, Chris, and James were quite a lot in the room on some slowly together with a bunch of songs. We just created right there in the room without even having pretty much a demo. Like maybe it was just a guitar riff, or maybe it was something we played together. And we just kind of flushed it out together. This time was a little bit less, like a little bit more individual, just because of the nature of COVID. We had um individual demos that were a little bit further along but like chris said then we brought them all in and we kind of all flesh it out together and then we usually do lyrics later on and we'll kind of div divide up the songs and we have the music and the melodies and we'll each take a few songs work on a draft of lyrics bring it together edit each other's work maybe hand it off to one another and then come in and do some group writing sessions on the lyrics and fine-tune them to what we see i think we're all pretty good about being leaving the ego at the door and, and being a bit uh, uh, super honest with each other about what we think. And yeah, we, I've known Chris and James for a long, long time. Actually, Chris, I've known since kindergarten. So it's easy to kind of collaborate and work together on stuff a lot. And I think we work the best because all of us bring a uh, unique perspective. We have like a common um, idea of what we want to get to, I think. But we're all different enough that we bring a unique perspective that kind of unlocks new doors for us. I think um, when one person can't quite make a breakthrough, it's, it's having the extra brains and it really helps push the songs to completion quicker and, and new ideas for sure. I'm fascinated. You've known each other since kindergarten. I mean, I've known yeah. Brett since the third grade. I've never really liked them though. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Same with Chris. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> Well, you were in the cabin. How long together? I mean, if I'm in there with 10 minutes with Fred, I'd want to jump out. <laughs> I'd want you yeah. to. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, good to have something to work on, you know, so we're not just heading to the stress. No, we get we get along pretty well. And, and we have the same kind of um, uh, humor and uh, humor, the same yeah. taste and stupid humor that we can always alleviate a situation with. Or it's usually just a silly, goofy time. Uh, we're either working on music really hard and making some breakthroughs there and enjoying ourselves with that or we're doing some stupid jokes or cooking some food or watching Austin Powers or something funny that we can kind of all um, <laughs> enjoy together. So it, that, that knowing each other for a long time and developing, spending so many hours in the room, like we were in a cover band in high school uh, throughout from grade eight to 12. Um, we played a few times a week and did shows uh, here and there. So just spending so much time together is definitely developed like a lot of uh, the same humor, the same, just knowing each other well. So. It works. It works well when we got to spend time on tour and stuff together. It helps for sure. You know, it's it's yeah. funny because you you guys have that. Obviously, you have that trust with each other. You know that you can you can sit there and say honestly, what do you think of a song? And you say your egos are left at the door. Not exactly. every band has that. I mean, it's, I, I yeah. hope you guys appreciate that you have that. We do. I think it definitely do. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it much uh, better and easier and and. Uh, yeah, I think I think we sometimes take it for granted, but when we sit down and think about it, it's definitely something that we appreciate a lot because I can see how it would be very difficult if you didn't have the ability to be honest or if stuff was a bit tense and you know people are super protective of their creative um, their creations. So it's nice that we kind of see it as like a group thing that to really flesh out together, and we don't have a problem with each other being honest, and it's definitely a huge thing. 
Well, you're yeah. Canadian, so you probably apologize first, then say what you think. Before and after we apologize, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's for the best. <laughs> what What is it like? That, like, what's the scene in Vancouver like for a band, especially a band like you? Honestly, like, we live on the North Shore, so... For me, like, I think, yeah, we all have a similar answer to this. Like, we don't really, I don't feel as immersed into the scene as I honestly wish I was. Like, I try to go to shows and I keep up with a lot of the Vancouver bands. Like, I, I pay attention and listen to their new releases, but I probably miss a lot of shows. I do go to a few, though, I guess. But I don't know. I don't feel like there's really a specific scene around our our genre, honestly, though. I think it's a bit different here. And yeah, it's not I bad. think we're it's a bit, different a bit unique in that, in that specific kind of where we sit like we have a, a, a decent indie scene um some cool bands uh but you know some are like more punky some are more poppy i think like with the psychedelic specifically like alternative psychedelic indie pop rock um there's not a massive scene um which uh is not necessarily a bad thing because we fit um a mold that's maybe not necessarily uh a saturated market but also you think the culture could be maybe a little bit more geared towards it but we do get a lot of support in Vancouver, um, for sure. Um, but maybe compared to city like Montreal, you don't have the same kind of culture around like mm. the live music kind of anything that you maybe want. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's hard to, to hard to really pinpoint exactly what it is. But yeah, for me, anyway, think of I how, sorry, I was trying to think of how I would explain your music to somebody because it's music that energizes, and at the same time, I could listen to to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how to explain that to somebody. It is interesting. Yeah, I know what you mean. Some people songs say it's are more... chill, but it's also not like it's also kind of heavy sometimes too. It's it depends what you listen to. I mean, some songs are very chill and very, you know, dream poppy and relaxing. And like you said, you can kind of relax to them. But some songs, you know, like Deeper Water on your own, Watch Over Me, they have an energy behind them that makes you want to get up and go for a run or workout. So it really just depends what song you're listening to. I think our wide range of influences creates like a wide range of music that we create like throughout an album and it'll go from chill to heavy and then sometimes like a song like moths in the darkness is chill the whole time until it kind of explodes at the end so sometimes we just do that in the middle of the song where we change the the vibe of it so but uh, yeah it's hard to describe for sure I, I tell people like there's there's something in it uh no matter what kind of vibe you like not everyone will like our music and not everyone will like it any song that we have but if you like a chill vibe there's something there for you if you like a more energetic vibe there's something there for you too so we do have a like our fans have different favorites when they choose a song sometimes you can tell a guy who's a more rock fan and they'll say stuff like deeper water on your own watch over me uh only in your eyes maybe but then you have you can see the, the the ones that are more pop uh chill friendly that like love again within within me and these songs so it is hard to describe though i kind of just say like check it out and you might like something in there you know or yeah. Performing live, you get that that uh I mean the crowd reaction. Is it is it is it a feeling or is it just noise? Like what is the like what do you feel from an audience that mm. helps make a show? I would say our shows are more energetic than uh our recordings. Like overall we have more energy in the shows, but we still do have dynamics. So it depends. Like you get a bit of both. Maybe Chris has a an answer to that, but I, don't know, I guess I sometimes you can tell people are really into it just based on the way they're they're moving and closing their eyes sometimes and just kind of almost looks like they're in a trance or something with when it's probably more slower songs, I guess. Yeah, there's there's definitely ups and downs of energy in a good way. 
you can tell when people are like loving it or not though yeah, yeah and we have a kind of, pretty good <laughs> yeah and we do create like a bit of a journey with the show as well ups and downs of energy and some uh, climaxes and escalations toward the end where people get you know sometimes we even get mosh pits during the end of our set and we extend a lot of our songs like full of you ending we extend it a lot and we add extra courses to things and make stuff heavier and you know try to get some energy up but while maintaining a lot of the uh chill vibes so is that is that difficult to kind of find a set list that you know flows that way especially if you're integrating new songs from a new album into the thing seems to be pretty easy so far i don't know how but it we've figured it out i think where it's it seems to work usually for the most part. We haven't tried our newest set list yet, but I think it feels yeah, good when we're think, practicing it right now to me. I think it'll be pretty good. I think Yeah, I agree with I agree with Chris on that. I, I think uh the one good thing about having the different vibes is that you can it's always kind of fresh, like you're not always playing the same tempo or the same heaviness. So it's it does give you that like break. It does give you that uh you can climb back up, you can escalate things, you can de escalate things, and so it does make it always fresh and interesting i feel as opposed to it feeling more one tone or one energy the whole time but there can be moments like okay like where should we put love again like does this sound weird going from this song to this song or where should we put you know a popular song that you know brings energy way down like is this an appropriate spot where people are high energy you definitely have to think put some thought into it but i think we've managed to balance it up pretty well do you have any any routines you do before a show any I don't know, superstitions or anything like that. Some people do have, you know, some routines they do. For me, no, actually. I don't know why, but no. A couple of beers. <laughs> What'd you say? I said just a couple of beers. <laughs> oh, ha. yeah, that's true, actually, I guess. Usually I'd have a beer uh, before maybe, and then one during. I guess that's, yeah. that's, 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 the, that's, the, that's the sweet spot. I that's not, one beer not before. much of a ritual. <laughs> No, I would say just sometimes a little bit of warm up on the practice pad, maybe get the hands loose, mm. but nothing like a superstition, more just like a warm up. Um, yeah, As if we're if we're well prepared, which we usually are, then we just kind of get up there and and, and rock it. We try to <laughs> proof that you can drink on the job. There you go. <laughs> exactly, but it's a definitely a fine balance because. Uh, I think the one beer before one during is like the sweet spot. If you go with two yeah, before one nice. during, you're, you're starting to push, starting to push maybe the uh, the point of diminishing returns there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So now you guys have uh, headlining shows coming up in California, and uh, and of course you're starting out in Vancouver. You know, like is there going to be a difference in crowds between like the Vancouver one and then and then how is the reaction out in California? We will see. <laughs> definitely, definitely a difference in crowds for sure. Like Vancouver, we're we're sold out um, already for Saturday, and a lot of people are um, wanting tickets right now. So, kind of wish we'd maybe gotten with a bigger venue, but uh, I don't think we'll set, like very unlikely to sell out in California. Um, yeah, but our, our pre-sales through... we've been seeing have been for the most part, I think somewhat almost twice as much as our previous pre-sales to this date you know so hopefully that yeah. means we'll be reasonably more filling the rooms but yeah, yeah it won't be year, as full as Vancouver. exactly last year we, we had a run through this time last year and um, we had some a pleasant surprise in uh, san francisco we had a pretty decent sized room uh, from what we were expecting la was it was okay it wasn't great it wasn't too bad but we already have 
as much pre-sales as we had the whole night there, which was great. So it seems like the, um, it seems like it's growing already, which is nice. Uh, the past year, we've gotten more fans and the pre-sales look uh, better than the, a lot of the sales ended up last time in the end. So definitely a difference between Vancouver and out there, but it's, it seems to be catching up slowly, I would say. And who knows, maybe like the walk-ups will be a lot better and they'll be, you know, close to full. Not really sure what to expect, but. Uh, it says to me, though, that people have seen you say, I want to come again. You're probably having like 80% retention, you know, or something Hope like so. that. And then, and yeah. then, you know, adding on to that. I mean, do you guys pay a lot of attention to, you know, I know you can get metrics for who's listening, when, what country and, and, you know, what areas of the States and that type of thing. Are you guys, do you guys pay a lot of attention to those different, you know, statistics that you get from Spotify and these different services? Yeah, def I mean, I definitely look at it quite often and I'm very curious about it, but I guess I don't really necessarily know how to apply the data very well because there's no way to target the people that are in your statistics that what like directly, like mm -hmm. you can't find the people that are listing on Spotify and reach out to those exact people, which is unfortunate because then I feel like we could reach a lot more people. But yeah, I guess we have a general sense of listenership through the States and Canada. Um, Latin America as well. We definitely know yeah. there's a huge, there's lots of pockets in South America and Latin America. Mexico City is one of our biggest streaming cities. And then Apollo's big. <laughs> yeah, we've got po pockets in Chile. And, and so our, our Latin America fan base is, is quite big, uh, at least in terms of listenership. Um, obviously, it's really hard to get down there and tour. So we're not, and we're not sure exactly what the retention rate in terms of like putting uh, butts in seats compared to listeners. But based on the actual number, Bands and listeners like Latin America would be a place that we'd love to go if we can arrange it just to see because um, our statistics do show a lot of listeners there and it's pretty global. We like, have... Sorry, I just pulled it up. Go like on, Mexico yeah. in the last month, uh, Mexico is like 25,000 listeners and Canada is 14,000 like listeners wow. in the yeah. last month. So it's like Mexico is a lot bigger for us than Canada, ironically. So I bet Brazil <laughs> is even close to like overall. Brazil's just a hair under Canada, but yeah. It's interesting, yeah. It, it it's, is interesting. We have the same type of thing for the, you know, we're biggest in Canada, but our third biggest country, for some reason, we don't know, Germany. Mm, you know, and it's, yeah. it's just one of those things where you're right now, you're reaching a German audience that you maybe weren't reaching before. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, large, totally. large <laughs> listenership there. And, you it know, can be just random, the pockets that come up. Yeah. Yeah, and who, who in France why. as well, and Thailand, and, and just some random, random places. Like, but it's cool. It's really cool to reach people so far away, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, it's uh, it's an interesting age where you guys, you know, I mean, you guys are coming up in an age here, completely different from music and for marketing yourselves and owning the music and that type of thing than it would have been thirty years ago. You know, yeah. Uh, do you have you guys kind of taken a Definitely. look at you guys kind of know the history of music and in the industry side? Have you guys pay attention to that? Roughly, and, yeah. Yeah. We definitely know how like the digital age and streaming services completely changed the game and, and changed how the labels work and changed how radio works and, and how the crazy up people that that yeah. um, brought along. But I would just say yeah, like, like a rough question... overview. But... I question the chances we would have had if it wasn't the age of streaming, honestly, because I feel, or the internet in general, I see, it's like the internet is pretty much the, almost the complete reason we have going what we have going, I think, because 
it wasn't any one person that made people find our music. It was just the people on the internet that made it happen by algorithmic kind of reaction, I think. So it's kind of the algorithmic overlords. Yeah. (laughs) Cause it's really just kind of, it just did its own thing organically and, and it just continues to do it. Like I pretty, I think pretty strongly organically is, is kind of the good thing though. It's not like we're buying ads and it's, you know, reaching people like that way. It's mostly just, I think word of mouth out there. Yeah, Which and I think that's I think that's the best way in this in this day and age is word of mouth because word of mouth yeah. no longer is just down the block or a person a person works with it can be a person across the world sharing yeah. your music, you know. And I think and, if you had to pay ten dollars to actually hear the stuff, it would reduce the amount of people. The curiosity would be difficult to break through at that point. Then you know, having the streaming, it's just I love the fact that anyone can just access it. Feels right in a lot of ways that you can just. You don't have any paywalls to hearing music, but you still contribute to it. So that's obviously right. it's less money in it though, but it's mm-hmm. overall for us as this especially starting out a big asset, I think for us. Yeah. I mean, uh, they don't pay enough. That's true to the artists. I mean, that we know, but uh, you know, yeah. the reach is, is potentially there. And you, you can see that in some of the numbers on YouTube. I mean, there isn't it. There's an interest in your music. That's something you, you can't know when you first start creating it. Knowing no. that now, that there is an interest in the music and what, what you're creating, does that? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that influence what you're doing moving forward? I don't know if it influences us creatively too much, but uh, definitely feels good to know that it's for a, a greater purpose and stuff. It's nice to know that our music in, resonates with people, and it feels I'd like the biggest thing is our whole pursuit in, yeah. in a lot of ways, which is nice. But I, I don't think it'll and change about what we make necessarily no in terms of creative pursuit i don't think so but i it just like like chris said it validates that what we've been making is what people like and so we should continue going with our gut but also i think yeah. seeing that is super flattering and motivational like it actually it, it's super motivating instead of being like oh okay well we tried we released all this stuff spent all this money and it fell flat and you know didn't have a response which is you know that was more likely than this scenario yeah, but seeing very, the scenario is like super motivating, you know, and, and it's like, wow, there are actually tons of people that like what we do. Like, we gotta, you know, keep trying to do this if we can, and, and uh, yeah, keep going with our gut for sure. And well, yeah, like it still blows working, me away, so. like how many great bands out there. I mean, there's lots of great bands that are way bigger than us, but there's a lot of great bands out there that are on paper they seem like less is going on with them, and I'm just like. I still don't understand how that happens. So I feel really lucky that we even have what we have. Well, it's so interesting because, I mean, back in the, you know, like Martin mentioned 30 years ago, I mean, you had to get on the radio to get Mm -hmm. the airplay. And now, and then in that case, the radio and then the label would dictate, you know, your sound to you. So I mean, you are lucky in that you don't have, you know, you're the ones who are dictating your sound completely in control yeah even with our label luckily they it's not going to be the vibe at all with them it's just it's just going to be what we want to do and they help us hopefully reach more people than we could without them and you know all that and help fronting the money yeah it's really nice to have that and connecting us with you guys you know this is cool so then when it comes yeah. down to to the production, I mean, I know that, that like the production, uh, whether the values are so good, there's so many lush overlays and things right, like I, that. I just want to mm. say, I, I think they were about to say how cool it is talking to us mm. some more. Well, so we should really let them go on with that. Well, that's totally <laughs> before fair. Before you ask a question. But, you know, all right, go on to your question. 
<laughs> but like, how is it that you know when is perfect and when would be too much? That's a, good That's a great question, actually. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because it's definitely something we struggle with. In terms of uh, like ambience and like color layers, or just or just just any layers, because I mean, I know that, yeah. that like I'm sure you could go crazy with with the amount of right. with the amount of even just a guitar. Like, how many guitar tracks could you overlay? How right. many? <laughs> well, actually, you know, usually, usually we overdo it at first. Like, we we maximize the layers for sometimes not always but i think definitely we sometimes push it and then sometimes james has pushed for this, it it's in. a good it's a good practice to like start muting every layer and then start unmuting some stuff and see how it sounds with that only and then maybe is that good is that should we add this should we take this back and then you know sometimes we sometimes it ends up back a bit better. to see what what is actually needed here and then we yeah. we sometimes find a nice sweet spot i guess sometimes with that process where we realize okay you know what that guitar bar just it just doesn't it's not better with this let's just cut that it's just not better uh i think that helps. I, I know one there was one example uh actually we're really far along with our album mixing and we had these two maybe even maybe more than two layers of this guitar part and a song that we've been working on for the album and uh there's just something wasn't quite right about it. it's like quite a heavy part quite an energetic part and our um producer and mixing engineer actually suggested um maybe pulling a layer back and seeing how it feels with less guitar. And, and it was much better. It completely changed how it sounded. It was like, that was it. Yep. That was exactly it was what too was too much shit. to take, take a guitar off. And it just made it sound so much better. It actually made it sound heavier taking a guitar off rather than yeah. less heavy. And yeah, you just could hear the line wall. better. Yeah. So it, it, Kristen, you kind of go, go more at the beginning, you peel it back as it, and see how it sounds better. But a lot of us, you know, we're, we're definitely perfectionists. Um, we like to have the levels super specific, uh, the sounds, the effects, everything super specific, the parts, the composition. Like I'd say all four of us are perfectionists. Um, so we definitely have to keep each other in check about over uh, analyzing and knowing when to yeah. stop as well. You know, when to actually be like, okay, this is done. We're, we're now yes. kind of getting to a point where we're, getting diminishing returns on our listings and our mixes and our this the fine balance that perfect it but not over perfect it i guess and the ironic thing is sometimes perfecting something can be choosing how imperfect it actually is because mm. that's what makes it cool perfect because it has to sound yeah, it's... organic still and like yeah that's hilariously like a thing where you have to actually on purpose sometimes make things a little off which is an art in itself i guess it's it's hard and kind of accept that it's never really done. It's just as no, it's, it's never done. Be, like realistically, so it's just like you know what, got to cut They say songs are never finished; they're just released. Yeah, you know exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> that basically, yeah. as as long exactly. as there's not, I just never want to have something where something's irking me. Like that would annoy me. There's like ah oh, man, that album's out there, and there's just these things in there that are always going to bug me. But I think we're at this point, like the album's done, so. I don't have any problems with it, which is good. And we do a lot of listens, a lot of like, we do a lot of scrutinization on. But there's things uh, like in Spoonfully, which kind of bug me. So I'm like, I'd rather, I want to avoid that if we can avoid it, which I think we've done. Is there anybody whose mm -hmm. opinion you guys kind of reach to outside, you know, to. Mostly to Kieran, I would say, who is that, that engineer that I mentioned, yeah. our, our mixing engineer. He's the biggest outside influence on that Definitely. process because he actually helped. He mixes like it with us collaboratively and does a lot of the work himself. And yeah, he he, he helps he has us shape. Great input. Like we, what we send him is not 
what like it sounds a lot different than what comes up at the final end so yeah he's a huge part in that in part of your question of like how do you decide what's too much or not too much he helps get us there too a big big part of that is definitely kieran's work because he uh he suggests like he inherently just kind of suggests ideas in his first draft mixes like he might change he might redo effects on something to make it sit better or yeah he's a big he's a big part in that i'd say for sure so then how exciting is it when you get stuff back from him and you're basically hearing it almost for the first time then it's really exciting sometimes yeah. it's mind-blowing <laughs> and then sometimes it's, totally it's like, and you're like well, wow and then sometimes it's like oh no we gotta change a lot here <laughs> this is not sounding like yeah thought. and then sometimes you exactly Depends. yeah sometimes you have to go the other way for sure but yeah but it's, it's always nice interesting because you always I know think it's gonna go sound different and if i had to do much more than we currently do i just think i'd go nuts like in terms of physical product like physical mixing and engineering the finals it's just I guess I'm not technical enough to get to that point yet. And, and just, I don't know how I would mentally manage that. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can well imagine. I think that there, that you probably reach a point where, where you can come to the end of like, okay, I, I just can't do it anymore. We need to, we need Yeah, it's nice else. to be able to be like, I think we've done that point more than one time. And just <laughs> come to that it. point a couple of times. Yeah. Like I can't imagine Kevin Parker's brain, like from Tame and Paula, that guy, like the fact that he mixes it, records writes mixes everything about it it's just i don't understand i just don't understand yeah. you need a lot of mental breaks because yeah yeah <laughs> very impressive resets, so. <laughs> yeah who are the artists you consider to be the most inventive in music history not necessarily the best oh interesting but the most inventive the beatles <laughs> i'd say are a big one in terms of like becoming yeah. like in terms of kind of Changing the realm of music from sure. being recording a band to using the studio as the creative tool. Yes. I think that's obviously, and that's goes with George Martin involved too. But I mean, that's got to be one yeah. of the most incredible musical in like kind of turns in history, probably ever in recorded music. Yeah, and I, I still listen, like the Beatles were like probably one of my top artists last year. I still listen to Beatles all the time, and I can't get enough. I still yeah. like have an annual mind blowingness of of listening to the Beatles again. <laughs> one for me would also be Queen, just in the way that they uh, used so many different sounds and music as well. I think it's interesting, you know, went from metal to different pop sounds to they, you know, incorporated um, classical music and there's the opera, um, the mixture of like operatic themes with hard rock in the same song. Um, it's just yeah, super inventive. I found like they're they're one of my favorite bands anyway. But I just like the inventiveness that they brought with like mixing these crazy operatic sounds and their harmonies and stuff, and mm. they put it into like crazy hard rock songs is pretty wild. And it's funny because there are bands out there that I've listened to and I went, "Oh, this is a mess," but I respect that they went for it. Mm -hmm, like they, right. they try to do something different. For sure, it doesn't always like, land, but yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. But you, yeah. you got to respect the the, the push. Totally. The exactly. I love that. That's what makes it awful for us to know where the boundaries are. You know. Well, and that's again, that's, that's and pushing ourselves a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's the thing it, with music on the internet, and and you know, everybody being able to stream generally whatever they want, is that you can hear something like that, and you can you you get to decide whether you like it or not. Yeah, and I mean, for exactly, certain, yeah, and there's so much out there. 
Well, and it's great, of course, for you guys that you are finding finding all of those fans who do like what you do because you make really good music. So people should find you. Yeah, I really do think what you guys <laughs> have. I think you guys got a great future. I hope you don't. Well, you can forget Brett. So I hope you don't forget me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Well, and the we question are, is, how do you like it? What, when are you coming to Calgary? So, oh, this we, we were in never. Calgary actually in uh, September. September we were there. Was, we yeah, in September we played at uh, State. Uh, um, oh um, yes, uh, State campus. Yeah, um, it was a pretty bizarre right venue. Now, actually, it was in a cafeteria. Yep, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it was like, this kind of like interesting, like makeshift venue in like in the cafeteria. Um, it wasn't. But it was good. a fun show. It was like for. Um, no, it was yeah, okay. weird venue, but it was it was fun. Um, okay, we so definitely want to come back to Calgary to for a real show sometime. It's just yes. so hard to get across Canada. It's so so many like hours in between Vancouver and Calgary in the car, you know. Oh yeah, crazy, but yeah, it's it's not. But a, we definitely yeah, want to come back. In terms to of a real people show. listening and coming to shows and the distance, it's harder to make sense of doing a Canadian tour. Sadly, mm-hmm. just because well, America's so much more efficient and so many more people going, it's just. Yeah, financially hard to 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 do it until we maybe we're big enough that it makes more sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've and got you to package with the right people. And yeah, everything you know. It's a, yeah, like I don't yeah, know. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure how many people in Calgary know us. You know, I don't think many. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've got to make sure too that all the people that do know that you're going to be there. That too, and that's exactly. so hard to do. Yeah, I know. It's second. I know. Yeah. Again, I wish we could just email everyone that follows us on Spotify when we're yeah. doing tours in respective mm-hmm. regions yeah. and. That would probably be massive, you know, but can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Get that bands in town working for you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah bands yeah. on something, but it's just so many more people on Spotify. I feel. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, interested. Yeah, if they combine the two, then then uh, we'd have oh. we'd have big business. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. It's yeah. Too bad. Like, why not? What's the problem with doing it? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you guys. Power. It's been awesome to have you on the show. We have super appreciated it. Uh, and like I say, we're big fans of the music and we will come to see you the next time you come to Calgary. So please come. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, we, we definitely want to make it back there. Thank you guys so much for having us. Appreciate all the uh, questions. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for the kind words about the music. Hopefully we will see you in Calgary not too long from now. That would be great. But well, uh, yeah, tell everybody where they can keep up with you, where they can exactly. find you, where they can, you know, give plug yourself. Yeah, yeah, I know we're we're available on all streaming platforms <laughs> now with two T's. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Deezer, uh, Tidal, everywhere. And um, yeah, on Facebook, I think uh, on Instagram and Facebook at Melt Music, and Twitter, I think is also at Melt Music. Uh, we're most active on Instagram, so if you follow us there, you'll get all the updates about every show, every release, um, and also Facebook. We are pretty similar, so yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, like I say, I urge everybody to go out and listen to the music Another Quiet Sunday coming out uh, March 3rd. So we wish you nothing but the best in the future. And uh, once again, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate awesome. it. Thanks for having us. Take Anytime. Care. Bye now. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks.
I try.